It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.06 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your lawn, your landscape, outdoors, indoors, houseplants, bugs, critters. If you have a question about how to do it, why to do it, or you want to argue with me and say, I think you don't know what you're talking about, that's fine, too. Our number is 404 872 0750 if you have a comment or a question or just something you want to brag about. Ashley Frasco is here this morning screening our calls, and Ashley has returned from a two-week vacation to Hawaii, where she said, I relaxed so hard it disturbed my husband, who had never seen me so relaxed before. Of course, it's beautiful, beautiful in Hawaii. But she comes back to Atlanta, and everything's covered in yellow dust. Her car, her deck, my front porch, my car is just covered in this yellow dust. What is it? Of course, it's pine pollen. Pine trees are doing their best to have more little pine trees. <laughs> That's what pine pollen is. I mean, most people know that already, of course, but pine trees, oak trees, birch trees, a lot of the well, I don't know why that particularly is, but a lot of trees depend on the air, depend on wind currents to carry the pollen from the male parts of those trees to the female parts of those trees so that they can fertilize a little embryo and have a, an acorn or a pine nut or a coconut or something like that. And so the pine trees, of course, are the ones that are most famous for releasing their pollen all at once. Boom! And every tree can have close to 40 ounces of pollen. That is a lot of pollen, my friends. And you know how many pine trees are around your house and around my house. Lots and lots and lots of pine trees. Each one of them releasing pollen. Each one of them hoping somehow the one little pollen grain gets to the female part of the tree and makes a, makes a cone back there so that we can have some pine nuts so the squirrels can eat them. And maybe one of those pine nuts will fall to the ground, will germinate, and make another pine tree. What can you do about it? Not a darn thing. You, unless you cut the tree down, that's all you can do about pine pollen. You can blow it away, if you like, with a, with a um, leaf blower. Of course, if you use a leaf blower, the best thing to have alongside that is a face mask so you don't breathe in all the pollen. And if you want to try their various concoctions that I've never found one that's successful to neuter the tree. In other words, to make a tree so it does not drop does not drop pollen. I tried it with sweet gums twice. Two years in a row, I tried to neuter my sweet gum so I didn't have any sweet gum balls. Totally failure. Both times that I tried it, finally I took the, the <laughs> what I should have done to begin with, I cut the thing down. And now I don't have any sweet gum balls in my driveway, and I'm so happy for having done that. Pine Pollen, if you have another solution, <clears throat> give me a call, 404-872-0750. Otherwise, 
We go to the phones with questions. Dee is in Fayetteville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dee, good morning. Good morning. What you got, Dee? Well, I have some critters in my backyard mm. and in front yard, but mostly in the back, digging holes. And I just can't figure it out. Hmm. How big are the holes? Well, some of them are like golf ball size. All right. And some of them are larger. Meaning larger so, like a tennis ball, larger like a softball, larger like dinner plate? Yeah, like a softball. Okay. All right. And how often do you see them? Like, you see one new one every day, or there's 20 no, new no, ones every No, 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 this happens every night. Hmm. Every night. When I go outside during the day, I see these holes, and I, I, I can't figure out what's doing it. How much, this is a sort of observation, D, that you're going to have to remember having seen the last hole. How much of the of the earth, the soil, the, the dirt in that hole has been sort of tossed up out of the ground, or is it pretty much just a hole in the ground with no dirt being tossed up around it? Mostly dirt is tossed up around it. Armadillos. You know, somebody said that, well. but I didn't know if armadillos are around here. This Oh, D, 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 D. I know some in, are in Fayette County because when I used to go down to see my mother in South Fayette County, I would see dead armadillos alongside Highway 92 from Fayetteville down to, down to Woolsey. Yeah, that's where I am. Well, you got armadillos. In fact, I saw one one time that had a nice little sweet little balloon that said, get well soon. It was a dead armadillo by the highway with a balloon <laughs> wrapped around <laughs> Well, what can I do about it? Uh, that's the hard one, Dee, because you, I mean, you notice you rarely see the culprits. You, you haven't seen the armadillo out there digging in your no. yard. And the reason I asked, remember I had that very pointed question, did you see any dirt tossed around the hole, or is it just sort of a hole in the mulch or in the ground? Had mm -hmm. it been the the one was just a hole in the ground, it might very likely have been squirrels. Squirrels dig sort of randomly looking for nuts and things this time of year, whereas armadillos are hungry. They've hibernated somewhat during the wintertime, and so they've got all these needs for grubs and earthworms and things to eat. And so they mm -hmm. dig a little bit with their nose. They toss the dirt up out of the hole to look for something to eat. And they den or nest or whatever you call it. They have their home in the woods behind your house. And they're mm -hmm. underneath a log or stump or something no. like that. Well, thankfully, I don't have any logs around the house. Yeah. But is it, 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 can they produce anything to hurt my dog? No. In fact, I have a cute picture of a big, big, big uh, is it German Shepherd, a Great Dane, some great big dog sniffing a armadillo. And both of them are just sort of looking at each other. The armadillos mm -hmm. don't see very well. I'm not sure they really realized this was a dog or what the heck it was. They just knew something was sniffing them, and they stood stock still and sniffed the dog, and the dog sniffed the armadillo. But no, mm. dogs don't do anything to them usually, unless it's a, you know, what I want to say, a mean dog. You know, a mm -hmm. dog that's been trained to attack other things might, but an armadillo does not attack other animals, no. 
So, because when I take my dog out, my dog knows something is out mm-hmm. has been there. Yeah. Sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. But there are rabbits, too. Yeah. There are rabbits out there. And... I, you know, I wasn't really that concerned about the rabbits, but I was concerned about all of these holes every morning. Let me conclude the call, D, and say the only thing that I know of that will work, uh, two things, I guess. One is trapping, and I'm not going to go through all the details of how to trap an armadillo because Mm -hmm. it's something Mm -hmm. that requires pictures. And if you go on my website and just type the word armadillo, it'll have a whole page of pictures of how to trap an armadillo. Or okay. you can use um, electric fence, you know, the same electric fence you use for keep cattle and dogs and things into a, into a pen. You put mm-hmm. the electric fence wire down close to the ground, just three or four or five inches from the ground. So that when the armadillo runs into it, bleh, <laughs> they get a little okay. shock. And that will keep okay. them out of a flower bed or out of a lawn or an area like that. But those are the, there's no repellents. There's no spray or anything like that you can use. Trap them and remove them or repel them with electric fences. That's it. Okay. Thank you so much. And I'll go on your website and see if there's any. My friend Tommy did when he wanted to trap an armadillo in his backyard. He trapped it, took a picture of it, and sent it to me. He was very, very proud of himself for trapping that armadillo. Let's go to Pat of Buford, Georgia. Pat, hey, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Pat? Pat, 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 Pat. Put Pat back on hold then and go to Mary in Douglasville. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Hi, hi, Walter. Hi. Could you tell me what kind of fertilizer to use on my blackberry bush? Oh, let's see. It probably has little leaves just coming out right now, doesn't it? Yes, it has leaves. So I just planted it. The rule of thumb on anything, obviously, is you, you fertilize when the vigorous growth season is about to start. And that means right now is a good time to fertilize blackberries. <clears throat> Everybody and their cousin uses 10-10-10 for garden fertilizer, fertilization, Mary. I wish we had some alternative to 10-10-10 because the middle number, the 10 part, that's the phosphorus part of a fertilizer, we don't need phosphorus, and phosphorus can actually sort of be a pollutant. It can dry, run into the creeks and go down the streams to the ponds and lakes and down the river. And phosphorus is one of those things that causes lakes to get real slimy, lots of algae and stuff in them because the algae in the water doesn't have any phosphorus either. And you don't want your lake to be slimy and full of, right. full of icky algae kind of stuff. That said, what else are you going to get? There's nothing comparable to that that uh, you could use. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Here's one alternative. Get some miracle Grow. You know what miracle miracle Grow is? Sure. Uh-huh. Soluble fertilizer. Mix that up and use whatever it says on the label for how much fertilizer per gallon of water. Uh-huh. Use that and fertilize your, blue, your uh, blackberries right now. Okay. Then add on top of that some slow Organic fertilizer like azalea camellia food would be great, or um, hollytone is another common fertilizer. Okay, Okay, good. Any of those slow-release fertilizers, like, again, hollytone or azalea camellia fertilizer put on top of the ground, will be slowly washed down into the soil as temperatures warm up. And that's what you want. As temperatures warm up in May and June, you want some more fertilizer to, to... 
hang on and give the, the blackberries some more nutrition. Okay, so I think good. that's what I'm going to tell you. Use miracle Grow now, according to the label directions, and add now some slow-release fertilizer, which really will not release its nutrients until things warm up later on in April and May. And I think the two of those together are going to give you some really vigorous growth, and that is what you want for your blueberry blackberry bush. And I think you're going to be just fine, Mary. Thanks so much for calling. We've got to go at 618 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. need to hold on today. It's going to be a beautiful day. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high will be 77. You heard me right, 77 degrees today. Lovely outside. Low tonight, 51 degrees. Tomorrow, just a slight chance of showers, 30% chance of morning shower. High 59, though. Low of 40. Oh, it's going to be beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. If you have questions about what you can do in your garden, 404 750 and we'll have the full weekend forecast in just 10 minutes. Pat is in Buford, Georgia. Back to the phones. Hey, Pat, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey. Hi. We had some work done in our backyard a couple of weeks ago, and the characters who pulled into the driveway asked if they could back their trailer down the driveway. And I said, sure. But they backed it onto our Bermuda lawn, <laughs> yeah. leaving a couple of ruts. Now, they're not really deep, Walter, maybe a half to three-quarters of an inch but I just need to know how I can fill those in a little bit. One of my prized pictures, Pat, is the weeds growing alongside a nice concrete driveway where just as your situation had happened, tires had gotten over there and compacted the soil just a little bit, not more than, like you say, a half to three quarters of an inch. But weeds love compacted soil. In this case, it was all... Um, this was oxalis and something else is mixed in there too. But weeds love compacted soil and Bermuda and other grasses don't like compacted soil. So one of the things that has to be accomplished to get the Bermuda to grow there nicely and compete with the, anything else that wants to grow there is simply to loosen the soil. And so okay. it can be shovel, pitchfork, uh, spading fork, whatever Pat's got in the garage, loosen the soil. And then gently pack it down, and if it still seems to be a little lower than it should be, you could get some high-quality, not $2 a bag topsoil, but high-quality planting soil from a nursery. Go to Pike and get some what they call planting soil and fill up the half-inch or so gap that you have in the, in the soil itself. And then you can find little pieces of Bermuda grass that have overrun a sidewalk or sort of hiding underneath a shrub or something that you don't need, you don't mow, you don't care about it underneath the shrub, pull it out, plant it in that little spot beside the driveway, plant five or ten sprigs up and down the the driveway where you've loosened the soil, and within, hmm, within a month, they'll all be green and growing fast, they'll fill it in perfectly, and it'll be nice grass, Bermuda, and no weeds. Excellent. Thank you so much, Walter. Uh, nothing to it. Pat, thanks for calling. Thanks. You bet. See you soon.
On the other hand, if Pat has had a deep rut, it might have been better to just look at the bottom of the rut and see if there was any Bermuda grass left down there, shovel it up, get a flat-bladed shovel, and shovel it out of the rut, and then fill the rut completely, again, with good, high-quality planting soil, not $2-a-bag topsoil, high-quality planting soil. You take that, you fill up the rut, deep ones, deep ruts, you fill it up, just as it gets to the top of the surface of level with everything around that, that's when you plant the little sprigs of Bermuda or whatever you found in the bottom of the rut, whatever you have. So either way would work, but in Pat's case, the key thing to do is don't let the soil around the driveway get compacted. That is where weeds love to grow. At 628, we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 636 at News Talk WSB. 59 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. If you have a question about your lawn or your garden or anything else that might be green or brown or dead or dying, or if you have a question about beginning gardening, if you've never gardened before and you just have a question about what do I do now? I really, really want to have a vegetable garden. I really want to have a a raised bed. I want to do something outdoors, but I'm not sure quite where to get started. This is the place, 404-872-0750. David is in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. I have a question about something that is purple, actually. You know, as I I live here in Atlanta, and as I drive up and down 85 and 285 during the month of March, uh, the first trees that seem to bloom are these beautiful, wild, scraggly, purple trees. And when everything else is gray and nothing else is blooming, they're the first things to, to come out. And they're so pretty. And I'm yeah. Always wondered what they were because I'd love to plant uh, one in my yard and wonder if you could tell me what they are. Very likely redbud would be my bet because they are so strikingly purple and so eye-catchingly. Uh, you described it really nicely, Dave. You said it's sort of scraggly, and they are. The the limbs, if you get close to a redbud, you'll notice that limbs go at angles to each other. They go zip, 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 zip as mm-hmm. they bend yeah. back and forth and back and forth. So it gives you that sort of scraggly look. And there are a number of new, improved red buds that I can really recommend to you, David. Uh, two of them are yeah. just my favorites. One is called Forest Pansy. And Forest Pansy is a purple-leafed red bud. It has still the purple-pink flowers you notice along the branches. And the other that I have and just planted it last year is a Rising Sun Red bud. It has mm, yellow, orange, pink leaves on it. Just a striking, beautiful, beautiful tree. So, rising sun or forest pansy are well worth your time to to plant. And there are other two or three or four more around Atlanta. There's a white flowered form, and yeah, look at the nursery where you go and and compare and see what you want. Wow, that's great. That's what I've, I you know I've always wondered what they were, and I think I'll go try to find one. Is this a good time of year to to be planting oh, yeah, a tree like sure, that? Sure, 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 sure. Get a nice big. If you have it, if it comes in a container, a pot, in other words, pull it out of the pot. And if the roots are going round and round and round inside the pot, make it your job when you plant it to untangle the roots and spread them out so they go in all different directions from the trunk of the tree. Don't let the roots go round and round like they were in the container. 
Oh, good advice. All right. Well, thanks. Well, give me a project for today. I really appreciate it. You Love know, your David, show. I should, I should share another thing just so you'll be even smarter than you were when you called the show this morning. I'll raise yeah. your IQ one point <laughs> by teaching you that one of the weird things about redbud trees is that they are a legume, which means they are akin to peanuts, of all things. And if huh. you notice, when the redbud tree gets mature, they'll have... Uh, Beans hanging down from the, the seed pods, in other words, hang uh-huh. down from the limbs of the tree, and they look like large beans, brown beans. And the uh-huh. seeds inside look sort of like butter beans and other leguminous uh, plants. And they do, red buds, in other words, do capture nitrogen from the, from the air, just like any legume will do. They capture some of the nitrogen out of the air, store it in their seeds and store it in their roots, and then other plants, when that redwood, redwood tree dies or when plants that are growing underneath need some, some nitrogen, they get it from the material that the tree has, has captured from the atmosphere. Pretty neat, huh? Yeah, that is very interesting. I'll, I'll, when I plant mine, I'll look for those, right, those bean-looking things. That's yeah, awesome. For Thanks for calling, David. Right. Good, to see, good, good to talk to you. Thanks. Have a great day, Walter. Yeah, you bet, man. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take David's place. Got Michelle up in Buford. Michelle, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm quite quite well, Michelle. What's going on? Awesome. I have a 120-year-old muscadine grapevine. That you do not. Get out of here. How do you know it's that old? Well, that's what I was told about 20 years ago. I was told it was 100 years old, so I'm just going with it. All right. That's good. I, I'd brag on it. I'd claim it myself. Go ahead. Thank you. It is up on a trellis, but I've literally done nothing with it for the last 20 years. Um, it appears to be dormant, at least right now, so I'm hoping that's the, supposed to be the case. But I was wondering, what am I supposed to be doing with it? Yeah. What Am I allowed to trim it? Don't What do I do or not do? What's it growing on, or is it just a big, tangly mound in the backyard? What's it? Arbor or, or there why? is a There's a large stem, obviously, trunk coming up from the base, and then there's a large, like, Probably one inch p um, metal um, or trellis that's built that it's string all along. It goes approximately twenty to twenty five feet wow. in length. Oh, it's Michelle. just all intertwined and tangled in that. So, I would, I would almost. I'm not going to, but I would almost volunteer to come up and prune that muscadine because it would be so much fun to prune that muscadine. Would, wow. Mm. All right. Well, this weekend, Michelle, you have a large job in front of you. Here is what you're going to aim for. And you may not be able to accomplish it this year. You may say, I'm going to do this in two stages. I'm going to do some this year and I'm going to do some next year. That's fine. You'll still get muscadines this this summer. No problem there. But here's what you want to happen. You want to have that big trunk that comes out of the ground, the big thick trunk that comes out of the ground to go up and meet the arbor and then to have very individual limbs stretched down the arbor, or if it's very wide, across the arbor once or twice, and all the real thin things, all the little stringy whips, I call them, that are big as a pencil and smaller, they get cut off. They get cut off actually down to one or maybe two buds. You'll be able, you'll be able to see this really easily right now. If you look at the base of every whip, right where it joins the limb it comes from, there'll be two little red buds. And, or maybe more than that, but you cut back to the first two, the first two next to the limb from which they emerge. 
And if you do that, there'll be an enormous pile of things you've pruned out of this old muscadine vine, which you, right. you know, wrap up and take to the street, and the garbage man takes it away. But what will happen then is those two buds that you leave on each one of those long, straggly whips, each one of those will have a vigorous, amazingly vigorous new growth that will come out this spring and summer. And it is there at the base of those uh, buds where the grapes will be formed. Awesome. All right. Thank you very, very much. The reason that we do this pruning, this it's called rejuvenation pruning. The reason you do it on muscadines this way is because they are such a vigorous vine. If you don't do rejuvenation pruning every year, the long, scraggly whips tend to get older and older and older without a lot of vigorous growth on them, and they don't make as many grapes, which is not why you have a muscadine vine. You want grapes. So rejuvenation Absolutely. pruning, again, you can divide it up into two years if you feel like it's just too many limbs to do t t today or this uh, spring. Do the rest of them next year if you want to. But I think oh. that you're going to have a lot of fun. Your arms will be tired. Your legs and your shoulders will be tired. <laughs> But it'll be fun to accomplish it. It sure will be. Thank you so very much. Drive safe to Michelle. We'll see you soon. Thanks for calling. Great question. And I really mean that. It is really fun to prune muscadines when you have a big overgrown vine like that. Because when you finish, you have such a sense of accomplishment, number one. You have a much more healthy vine, number two. It will not hurt it to be pruned. It will be thankful to you for having been pruned that severely. Greg is out in Conyers in Rockdale County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Greg, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How are you? Doing fine, Greg. What's up? My question is, I have a, I had a nice, plush, green centipede lawn that actually backed up against my neighbor's Bermuda. Yeah. Now the Bermuda has taken over my centipede. Uh. Is there any way possible that I can get my slow-growing green centipede line back. Yeah, but you're not going to like it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the only way to do it is to use a non-selective herbicide, meaning Roundup, to kill the okay. Bermuda grass where it comes over into your centipede and then to mm -hmm. either seed or sod centipede in the dead places that you left with the, with the herbicide. There's no spray that gets Bermuda out of centipede. And as you found out, Bermuda is a pretty aggressive grower. It gets over yes. into the centipede and takes over. Yes, it does. Yes, so it does. So if you, I mean, the, the, the other part of me, Greg, says you're just going to have to live with it and have a Bermuda lawn rather than a centipede lawn. That oh, is another okay. option, too. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess I just have to deal with the the Bermuda right now. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Bermuda is not a bad lawn grass. Obviously, it recovers nicely if, if you have any damage and kids running around and you know things like that. People running over it with their car or truck. Mm -hmm. Bermuda mm -hmm. takes off and recovers from it very nicely when centipede does not. But some people like centipede because it just doesn't require much care, much mowing, much yes. fertilizer, or anything. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> well, Greg, take your choices and uh, do whichever appeals to you. We'll see you soon. Okay. All right, thanks. You bet. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. I want to talk just a minute. I have a minute here to talk about things that smell good. I had a neighbor that walked around behind the house the other day and smelled something and said, Wow, that smells so good. What is that? And I pointed out the little round blooms of the Korean spice 
viburnum that I had growing by the corner of my house. And I have two or three shrubs back there. Korean spice viburnum is one of the sweetest smells in the whole wide world. And there's an arbor right next to it covered in a large green vine. I said, and wait about two weeks, and that arbor will be covered in a vine with little white flowers that will knock you off, knock the socks off of you. That's Confederate jasmine. will smell great there. And I noticed yesterday at the top of my lilac bushes up in the upper part of my garden, the white flowers of my lilac plant. I didn't reach up and pull one down to smell it. But any of you who have ever smelled a lilac bush know what lilac smells like. It just smells up the whole neighborhood. It's that fragrant. So <clears throat> what other things do I have that smell good in my, in my landscape? Earlier, I had a little bit of winter honeysuckle, the honeysuckle plant that blooms in January that has some smell to it. I had a Daphne that bloomed, ooh, when was that, around the 1st of February, I guess. The Daphne smelled really great. The Edgeworthia, the paper bush, smelled fabulous. That was another one. The neighbors would smell it on the street and say, what? What is that? What is that over there? It has the white flowers. It smells so good. So the winter honeysuckle, the... Uh, paper bush, the Daphne, the Korean spice viburnum, lilac, and gardenias will happen sometime soon as well. So Confederate jasmine, the vine, all of these things smell really, really good. I have a list of things that smell good on my website, walterreeves.com. Just uh, go there and in the search line type smells good or fragrance or something like that. It'll take you to the page of all the things I can think of that you can plant that make your garden smell great. It's 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. You make me feel so young. You make me feel so spring has sprung. And every time I see you grin, I'm such a happy individual. Oh man, today spring has sprung 77 degrees, the high today. A lovely day, low 51 overnight. Tomorrow, 30% chance of a morning shower, high 59, low of 40 degrees tomorrow. Spring is here, my friends. It is warming things up rapidly. That doesn't mean you can plant everything. But it certainly means that warmer weather is on its way. 404-872-0750 gets you in this morning. If you have a question, Janet joins us from Jonesboro. Hey, Janet, good morning. I'm calling in regards to um, my yard. I had a tenant living there, and it appears to be a lot of rocks in it. And I'm trying to put down some some seeds so that I can have more grass because of a lot of trees in my um, yard. And I just wanted to... Do it an easy way. It's only me, myself, as a female. Oh, the easy way oh, is the... Easy way. Uh, uh, people have looked for the easy I'm way for years and years and years, years, Janet. How many trees How many are there? And are there. do you have your radio on, Janet? I mean, here's a little background noise there. Currently, I live in Jonesboro, Georgia, yeah. but I'm currently in Virginia picking up your broadcast. So, unfortunately, we have a little background noise okay. for the static. So, as far as trees go, what? Uh, how many trees do you have? How much shade is in the yard? In the front yard, I only have three dogwood trees. 
um, and I'm fine with the backyard. It's the front yard that seems to have um, a lot of coarseness because when I rake a lot, yeah. I don't have. Um, I find I'm hitting something under my rakes. It's hard, yeah. All right, here's what I would do, Janet. The only, if you have that sort of shade for the dogwoods there, the only grass I think that would do well and still be relatively easy to plant is fescue. Fescue is a you know, long grass seed commonly sold in, in Georgia and Jonesboro. And your job, if you can at all manage it, is to rake the whole area where you're going to plant the seed and then spread the seed out very evenly. And you only use around six or seven pounds of seed per thousand square feet. So one of the things you need to do is to measure. Just see how big is my lawn. It's 100 feet here by 50 feet there, so it's 5,000 square feet. So I need to put six pounds per thousand square feet. So you do the multiplication. You say, okay, I need 30 pounds of fescue seed. Don't go over that. Don't go under that. Six pounds is about right. Six pounds per thousand square feet is what you do. And raking the whole area means you have a little bit of grooves in the soil. Those grooves are important because that's where the seed drop into and begin germinating. And March is late, almost April now. It's late to be planting fescue. When summertime heat comes, if fescue does not have a good root system and go really deep as fast as it can, the heat in July will sometimes fry it. It'll turn brown. So the easy way, the easiest I can think of, Janet, rake it real good, six pounds of seed per 1,000 square feet, water as appropriate. Maybe, maybe use some starter fertilizer there. You know there's a kind of fertilizer you can buy from the garden center called starter fertilizer or lawn starter fertilizer. Put that down. No weed control, nothing, because any of the weed control chemicals are going to hurt your fescue. That's not what you want. You're just going to have to let the fescue grow for a while. And when it's needed to be mowed a couple of times in the summertime, then you can spot spray for the weeds there. That's the best I can do, Janet. Hopefully we have a great trip and get back to Jonesboro safely and get that rake out there and make that fescue happy. It is 6.57. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.